You're listening to the Winsight Podcast Network. Operators start earning points with Lamb Weston's new Potato Perks app. Redeem points for back-of-house smallwares, custom marketing materials, and more. Register today to get your free 500 points and a rebate up to $100. Visit go.lambweston.com slash potato perk sign up to download. Why is Smashburger ditching traditional drive throughs Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and on this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Carl Bachman, the president of Smashburger, and we talk extensively about fast casual drive throughs Smashburger is a fast casual burger chain currently owned by the Philippines-based Jollibee Corp. It has struggled a bit in recent years amid intense competition in the fast casual burger market, but appears ready to grow again as Carl discusses on the podcast. But we talk a lot about drive-thrus and the chain's plan for virtual drive-thrus or mobile order lanes. Smashburger has been implementing traditional drive-thrus, but appears to be fully on board with this new version, so much so that the company is abandoning any idea of growing any more traditional drive-thrus. That's very different in a fast casual space that it has been all on board those lanes in recent years. Carl explains why the virtual drive-thru works better for Smashburger. It's an interesting conversation about fast casual chains and drive-thrus on a deeper dive, so please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Carl Bachman. Carl, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited. All right, super. Well, uh, first off, uh, just tell everybody who you are. Uh, my name is Carl Bachman. I'm the president of Smashburger based in uh, Denver, Colorado. How are things at Smashburger these days? Great. We're having a great year. Um, sales are growing. We're opening new restaurants and having a lot of fun with uh, a lot of new innovations. So good year so far. Now, um, if I got myself right, uh, you've just opened your first virtual drive through Am I correct? Tell me about that. You are correct. Uh, we opened our first one in Houston, Texas, in a great state of Texas and a great city in Houston. It's our 10th restaurant actually in Houston by our first uh, with the virtual drive-through, so we're really excited about it, and uh, it's off to a great start. What is a virtual drive-through? Well, I guess the best way to describe virtual drive-through is tell you what a regular drive-through is, and uh, and tell you why we didn't want to do a regular drive-through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a regular drive-through is a st- three-step process in my eyes. It's you go to what they call a squawk box, and you look at a big menu, which takes time uh, and confusion, and you look at that and you place an order. Then maybe you go to a payment uh, area or next window to make a payment. And then you go to a second window. Uh, That also takes time, right? And then go to a second window to actually pick up your food. And that process could be 10 minutes. It could be 20 minutes. It could be a half hour. During COVID, it could have been a lot longer than that. So what we thought about was how do we evolve drive-throughs to make it convenient for today's consumer that is on the run, hybrid workspace, two-income families, juggling kids and juggling work and juggling travel. So what we want to do is kind of embrace technology and software. So we said, let's eliminate the first two steps. So by using your phone or uh, an online app of sorts, um, you can order and pay first. And then all we would do is have you come through the virtual drive-through, the window, one single lane, and just pick up the food. So our average time in the virtual drive-through should be about 15 to 20 seconds. Um, and what that does, it gives you the ability to work in a smaller space. It gives you uh, the ability to have a two or three car stack, as opposed to a lot of the giant QSR brands that have a 30 or a 40 car stack. 
which costs more money, more real estate, more traffic congestion. So we're really relying on our technology to create communication between the guests and when exactly to pull through, pick up your food and go. Uh, so it's all about convenience. Right. So it's a mobile order drive through. It's a mobile order. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mobile app uh, pickup lane. That's the key to it. Just do right. all the work ahead of time. Well, that's a, I mean, I think that's a really good, you know, that's, uh, you know, a really good um, point that you bring up about um, a regular drive through. And I would imagine that for a company like Smashburger, it's particularly challenging because, you know, you make your food to order and it's not, you know, and that would really, you know, really a regular drive through for you guys would be pretty slow, um, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. And that was one of the driving forces of it. What we wanted to use was the technology of the commute time to the restaurant as our cook time. So we want to cook while you're coming to the restaurant. So we've teamed up with a company called Kerbit, and they've helped us communicate and uh, back and forth between the restaurant and the consumer. So with Kerbit, we can look into the restaurant, we can see what the average ticket time is for an order, and then we can communicate back to the guests and say, come at this time, and we will track as you uh, come to us, we'll track the process of your order, and we'll tell you down to the exact minute when to pull through the drive-through. So that way we can still hold our gold standard of cooking to order, fresh to order, and use the commute time as our cook time. That's the strategy. And so you're 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 so you'll you know you're going to be able to get it to the customer as freshly as possible, which is another obviously important point on something like that. Yeah, our goal is never to hold food. Um, we cook to order. We put a lot of painstaking effort into our recipe and the quality of our products. And the last thing we want to do is hold that food and let it degrade over time. So this gives us the ability to again use that commute time as our cook time so that we can time it up precisely. As you pick through the drive-through, we can just hand you the food. Um, we really believe that gets hot, fresh food into people's hands faster. Now, do you have regular, you have re- some regular drive-through locations now, don't you though? We have kind of legacy stores. Uh, we had one franchisee in Colorado Springs. We actually bought that franchise back for this reason, um, to learn and convert. So we have about four uh, in the system drive-throughs, only a few. And really because they were challenging to operate because we, uh, we refused to lower our standards on fresh hot food and we didn't want to hold. And there's a difference between QSR fast food and fast casual. And one of those differences to us is the elevated experience. Uh, so yeah, we do have a, a couple existing legacy stores that we're getting in the process of converting now that we've launched our first official virtual drive-through. So you're not going to be building any more regular drive-throughs? Un- unlikely. Um, we would probably focus on more of these virtual drive-throughs or these, these drive-through lanes. And what we are going to do is look at our legacy restaurants and see where we can implement them. Because it takes a lot less space, you only need one lane, three car stack, you could do it on an end cap of a strip center. And even in an urban setting, you could make a virtual drive-through that has no cars involved and use exterior pickup windows. So in an urban setting, you can do the same thing. The same technology applies. Mm-hmm. That's um, you're 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 kind of going your own direction on that because <laughs> one of the things one of the things that I've 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 been noting is that the lines between what a uh, what a, a a quick service restaurant is and what a fast casual restaurant have really been blurring, and a big reason is the drive through. So there are some other better burger concepts out there that have been very aggressive at building new drive-throughs. And 
you know, and, and a lot of, and of course, a lot of fast casual chains, you know, outside of, of, of burgers as well. I mean, I think Panera Bread is a perfect example. I've uh, been building a number of, of, of drive-through units and, you know, and, and yet you're going in the, the opposite direction by saying, yeah, we're just going to focus on mobile order on the, our virtual drives. Yeah, I think, I think that because of the pandemic, a lot of QSR said, we have to get that traditional big box, that big piece of property, the multi-lane drive-through. And that works for QSR, quick service. But in fast casual, when you're trying to deliver a fresh cook-to-order meal, it really doesn't work, as you mentioned earlier. It takes too long. So how do we match the consumer's desire to have that fast? And this is why we go virtual. So it's, it's a twist on what, what uh, QSR does. But remember, too, the competition is fierce looking for those spaces. And municipalities don't want drive throughs anymore. It creates traffic congestion. It takes up a lot of real estate. So this gives us an opportunity and really to educate uh, not only the consumer, but educate the municipalities that we could still have a drive up or drive through option that doesn't cause all the congestion problems and all the all the traffic problems and all the acreage that it needs to be done. So I think it's it's a very uh, very interesting way to go about it. And we're not the only chain. There's a lot of other chains uh, uh, addressing this and looking at this as an option. And some have really uh, expanded on it. So I really think it's the wave of the future um, as space becomes uh, a priority um, and competition for those big boxes is very very hard. I would much rather compete, for instance. Um, in Houston, where we opened our first virtual drive-through, there was an abandoned old bank, a 2,000 square foot bank. So I was able to take an old bank and convert a, a piece of property that was in an A position. Banks are always in an A position, and convert a 2,000 square foot property, have a dining room, have a great patio, and have a drive-through element uh, in a lot smaller space than maybe a competitor would do. How are you able to get a bank site without paying a billion dollars? <laughs> Well, it's been there for a long time, so we mm-hmm. we uh, we had to you know negotiate relentlessly, but we got a good deal there, and uh, we have a great landlord there and a great partner there, so we're really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, you do bring up the real estate question is to me, and that's actually one of the concerns that I have is you know you had so many people in two thousand late two thousand twenty and two thousand twenty one, you had so many brands out there saying. We are going to build drive-throughs. We're going to do double, triple uh, lane drive-throughs. We are going to uh, focus uh, a lot of that energy on that type of development. You know, we've seen some extraordinary uh, proposals out there in terms of of expanded drive-throughs and things of that nature. My qu- question is always like, you mean how? I mean, how much more can can drive-through demand grow from here? Um, and then, you know, but, but mostly what was this going to do to real estate and, and drive through real estate is already tight. Um, it was tight before the pandemic. It's not easy to get one completed. And I think the, you know, the, the pandemic only made matters worse and it's just uh, a very challenging, um, piece of real estate to get developed. Absolutely. I think, I think that chains will have to, you know, the future of the restaurant business, whether it's QSR or fast casual, is I think about an omni-channel approach where you have to have multiple channels to, to bring in the profitability that you need to make the margins. You have to have multiple channels and you have to answer what the consumer is telling you is their need and their needs to get 
fresh, higher quality food fast. So how are we going to do that? So if you look at a drive-through, a traditional drive-through, um, whether it's two lanes or three lanes like you're talking about, it takes up real estate. It creates congestion. It takes time. And that's not really meeting the needs of what the consumers are asking for. So we have to embrace technology to get us over the hump. And I think that's the key is this digital transformation that a lot of brands are, are going through. It's interesting to note, too, a lot of fast casual players that are embracing this kind of takeout delivery and now maybe even of some version of drive through are understanding that our dining rooms are not as full as they were pre-pandemic. And that's going to come back slowly, but it may never be the same. People are looking for different ways to enjoy your experience. And that's the key to it. So, you know, for instance, uh, Smashburger, we were at 65% dine-in pre-pandemic. You know, during the height of the pandemic, we were at 1% dine-in. And yet we had two of our best years in history of our brand because we pivoted the brand to embrace digital, embrace the app, embrace software as opposed to hardware, really, and using that technology to communicate with our guests. And with this new technology, we can communicate through the entire experience from when they order it to now we're preparing it to when it's going to be ready. And we can actually look in, again, with the help of Kerbit, we can look in with virtual drive through into the restaurant, see how long it's taking for products to be cooked at that particular time. So it'll be able to throttle times and communicate back to the guests and say, you have an extra four minutes or we need you in three minutes whatever it may be. And that is how you, I think, bridge that gap. Because you're right, it's ferocious, the competition, to get these existing virtual drive-throughs converted. Um, and again, municipalities are starting to push away from it because of traffic problems that it creates. Yeah, yeah. So um, now, so all that said, one of the things that that operators have always told me was like, the minute you add a drive-through, you, you boost your sales how many ever percent, depending on obviously the concept. But it's usually it's usually um, an easy way to generate extra revenue uh, as long as you can put a lane, you know, the, a drive through lane in there. Are you able to do that uh, with a mobile order drive through? Um, are you st- still able to get enough mobile orders to be able to generate those types of sales or is it a defensive mechanism? So far, um, again, in, in early testing, we're up, up to almost 8 percent on any given day of our business is already through a virtual drive-through. So I think it's about education. We think it's 20 to 25% of our business. So that is incremental. That is a huge jump in business. So I do think it generates more revenue. I think it's it's about educating the consumer. You know, one of the examples I would give you is Starbucks. Um, there's a Starbucks by my house and they have two lanes. One that goes around the back, that's a traditional drive-through and one shortcut, one around the front, that's a mobile app pickup. A year ago, no one used the mobile app pickup. Everyone used the drive-through. Yesterday, I watched it as I was traveling for family for Easter. We stopped to get our coffee. And I saw the amount of people going through the mobile app uh, pickup lane has increased tenfold. So I think it's about educating the consumer. That's why we don't have a fancy, uh, sexy name for our drive-through yet. We just call it a mobile app pickup lane because that's what it does. Because I think for the first couple of years, it's about educating the consumer and letting them know, hey, this is a new way to burger. This is a new way to have smash burger. Um, so I think you're going to see it more and more. And as the bigger players, national players do that, everybody else will start responding as well. So I think there'll come a point where we won't have to educate the consumer. Like, for instance, a traditional drive through everybody knows the process, right? Squawk box, big menu board, place your order, make your payment, wait in line. That's what they're used to. Mobile app pickup is the new way. And I think 
Absolutely. I think it's going to be a big part of the future, uh, especially in fast casual. But I think eventually QSR will adapt and be able to put uh, small quick service restaurants. You'll see the big chains putting them in spaces where they could never put them before. They, They couldn't justify putting a certain restaurant chain in a small space or in a different space, even if the volume was there because they needed so much acreage. And I think that's going to open a lot of doors. So I do think it will grow. The fact that we can do 8% right out of the box without educating the consumer, uh, we think it's 20, 25% of our business. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I will say that you, you are starting to see some, some, some quick service restaurants are, are understanding that they need to find new ways to get uh, mobile order customers to, you know, so that they, they don't even have to get out of their car. So you are seeing, I think, a little, uh, certainly a few, a, a few more uh, mobile order drive-throughs, and they do work really well. You know, if you're if you're a mobile order customer, it's actually fantastic. Um, you know, if you, you know, if I decide, I in fact, uh, we have one, um, we have a Taco Bell uh, with mobile order drive-throughs not far from my house, and so I'll just make the order on my phone we'll go through it and and uh you know and 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 it's easy you know i think i think younger consumers in particular but a lot of older people like me really really appreciate the whole thing i mean i think mobile order is the big winner coming out of the pandemic by a long shot it's such a it's such a great service uh, just to be able to order on your phone and be able to pick it up. You don't have to go through a line. I mean, some of those drive-through lines, to your point, are annoying. And they certainly were annoying during the pandemic. It would have been. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Let me ask, uh, so uh, uh, how many locations are you guys at right now? Uh, we have about 250 locations. We're in about 34 states, uh, seven countries, and uh, we expect to grow 20 to 30 this year. A lot of franchise growth had a lot of franchise interest now and um, and we're going to start growing internationally again as well. So we have quite a big pipeline over the next few years of uh, new restaurants growing both domestically and internationally. Mm-hmm. How, what have you been doing to, to, to build that pipeline? I mean, I know that your growth uh, slowed for a few years here. Absolutely. I think the important thing was establishing the brand or reestablishing the brand. So uh, when I took over in 2019, right before the pandemic, wonderful timing, Uh, I put together what we call our five-point plan. And our five-point plan really focused on, number one was infrastructure, put the right leadership team together. Number two, and then, and not in any any ranking of importance, but number two was taste. Um, I really wanted to bring the the brand back to the founder specs on taste. And um, taste is king for JFC, our parent company, Jollibee Foods Corporation. They believe that if, if it tastes right, we can find a way to execute it. And it's all about taste and quality. So, and our founder, uh, Tom Ryan, our original founder, um, really culinary genius, understood how to make our burgers taste better. And, and uh, it, was, it was important for me to bring back his vision of taste. So taste was number two. And then number three was a big one, redefining our portfolio. So we did close a lot of restaurants that were underperforming that were maybe in, in poor real estate uh, sites. So not only picking better sites, Maine on Maine, I always say fish where the fish are to really get brand awareness. So we really started building kind of like, I always say grow like a bush as opposed to a vine and kind of a hub and spoke approach to growth. So we changed that philosophy so we could strengthen where we are where we have presence. I wanted to strengthen those cores. And what that does is helps brand awareness in that market and you build out from that. And that really helps franchisees as well. Um, so that was with the first part of redefining our portfolio. 
Also, the brand needed a remodel or an upgrade. So we changed our color palette and we really moved away from a lot of the, the fast food cues to a fast casual experience to match the quality of the food. So a new palette, you know, new entertainment, new music, new lighting, um, really changed the look and feel. So a modern, relevant restaurant. And we took advantage of time during the pandemic to do a lot of that. Um, so that was number three, redefine the portfolio. Number four was to embrace Jollibee Foods uh, Corporation's focus on what we call FSC. And FSC means food quality service, cleanliness condition of our restaurant. It's kind of our audit system, really our check and balance and embracing this kind of intensity around giving the guests the full experience from front to back, start to finish. Um, and then five was really tell the world about it, create a world-class marketing team, embrace digital marketing, understanding that digital transformation, creating omni channels of, of revenue is the key and letting guests know about it. So those were the five points that we did to really change the brand and move it. Um, since we've done that, we've had double digit growth and really change kind of the, the direction of the brand. Um, it was also important to me to, you know, I always say fix your own house before you start selling to someone else. I think it's a responsibility of a franchisor to make sure on our dime, we figure out what works, what doesn't work and really get the health of the brand there first. So I tried not to franchise too much during 2020 or 2021. And now we've relaunched franchising because we've got a better, uh, better positioned brand. So uh, we now see a lot of interest in our brand. We have a growing pipeline. We have over 62 restaurants in our franchise pipeline. Um, and that's because I think we worked really hard on, on uh, fixing the, the core elements of the brand before we started selling the brand. So, and luckily to work with the company, uh, our parent company, JFC, gives us the ability to do that, to do what's right. Um, and I think that's how we've changed our brand. And we've seen great growth. Our same store sales are growing. Um, our interest in our brand is growing. Um, and it's an exciting time to be part of Smash. Hmm. It's amazing how uh, how that works when you when you um, uh, fix a brand on the company's dime instead of of uh, relying on franchisees to do it. I always think that's a better option for a company, and it says something to the franchisees that you're you're putting your own money into something, and and uh, you know that that sends a message to the operator base. Absolutely, it's all about that toolbox. So. I want to create a toolbox of things that the franchisee can use to guarantee their success. That is our job as a franchisor. So we need to learn on, again, on our dime is the expression, but in our restaurants. Um, so we test and test and test and find the right mechanisms and processes and products. Um, and then we bring it to the franchisees. And a lot of times franchisees are eager to go, go, go. And that's great. That's the kind of franchisee you want. But you also have to put some brakes on them to make sure that you give them the support that they need to guarantee their success. That's how we all win. So, uh, of the sixties, the sixty-two restaurants you said you've got, uh, you've got under development now. Yeah, we under we have our pipeline. That's our development pipeline. pipeline. So we've signed uh, quite a few new restaurants, uh, new new groups to restaurant uh, development agreements. Um, but what's really even more exciting than the new restaurants is our existing franchisees are starting to grow again. And they're signing new development agreements. So three of our franchisees have recently signed new development agreements to grow more stores. Um, so that's really a great sign of health for a brand when your existing franchisees want to grow more. Um, and that in, in turn creates more interest that gets new franchisees. So yeah, overall about 62 in our domestic pipeline. Um, and then we're just now starting in our international pipeline and we'll probably have a couple dozen there as well. Mm -hmm. You are uh, able, able to get financing these days? It's getting a little bit more expensive. It ain't easy. Luckily, we have a great parent company that supports us. And we've really done a lot on platform to minimize cost 
so that it's more attractive to the franchisees uh, and, and more importantly to their financing challenges, right? So we've been able to lower the costs in our platform. Even though we've upgraded the look and feel, we've actually lowered the entry cost uh, for construction. And that makes it more, you know, more enticing for their financial lenders or SBA loans, et cetera. So um, that's key to kind of keep that price down. You know, you can build build a Smashburger for well under a million dollars um, in comparison to a lot of the, the big players that we compete against. So that makes it a little bit more interesting and enticing for them. Uh, it must be, from, from your standpoint, pretty, I don't know, maybe relaxing is the right term. Or, uh, but like to have a company like Jollibee as the owner, I mean, it's not like you're owned by a private equity firm that's going to sell in like four years or five years. I mean, you know that they're going to be in there for the long term or are they? I think they will be, you know, they, the Jollibee is a restaurant operations company and they take, they kind of buy and hold, not that they couldn't sell a company, but they're very proud of the brands that they buy and they build them. Um, and that's one of the things that really excited about us with that partnership is that, they would support us in the growth and, and really turning this brand in a new direction. Their, their track record would tell you that they buy and hold and grow. Um, so we're really excited. And this was a big investment for them in North America. So really excited about that. Um, and there is a there is an advantage of that because you have the long-term support uh, of, a, of a player that has global, uh, global support as well. So yeah, I think uh, my guess is that we'll continue to uh, support us and grow. And uh, we're excited about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty pretty certain that Jollibee wants to. I mean, they've they've eyed this market for a long time. Definitely an interesting company. You know, it's going to be definitely a company to to watch going forward on 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 a number of uh, fronts. One last question: What uh, what anything keeping you up at night right now? Oh, there's a lot of things that keep me up at night. I'm in the restaurant business. Um, I would think the labor market is always a challenge for me and challenge for our teams. So we're really working hard on on our brand, you know, our brand image, and uh, really what we stand for as a brand, so that we can uh, create a great environment for workers. I think it's really challenging to find people to work in the restaurant industry. So you have to create an environment. Um, we've all upped our pay and come up with different ways to really make sure that we're supporting people financially. But it's more than that. Um, so it's about creating a culture where people feel like there's opportunity and growth. So I think a lot about that. I think uh, it's all about the team members and the people. You know, we think we're in the food business, and that's really important. But to me, that's just the clay. That's the you know, that's 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 not the real play. It's the people business, and I know that's cliche, but for me, that's what keeps me up at night. Is can we continue to find people that are passionate about what we do and why we do it in a tough industry and a competitive industry? Yeah, wonderful, sir. This was great. Really appreciate you joining me this week on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by the remarkable Kimmy Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get these fancy listening shows. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Operators, start earning points with Lamb Weston's new Potato Perks app. Redeem points for back-of-house smallwares, custom marketing materials, and more. Register today to get your free 500 points and a rebate up to $100. Visit go.lambweston.com slash potato perks sign up to download.